0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
1: We've once again made it to Friday and we're very glad that you are with us for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today as usual. And Jim, it's not too often Democrats are in the good martini, although Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema have spent a considerable amount of time there over the past year and change. But today, it's Florida Democratic Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy. She's retiring this year, which means, since you're not running for re-election, you can be a little more honest in your public statements. And uh, she is a co-chair of the Moderate Blue Dog Coalition, the ever-dwindling group of moderates in the House Democratic Caucus. And uh, during an interview, she was pretty blunt about the, the way she believes that leadership is favoring progressives, even to the point of unleashing activist groups against members like her to pretty much browbeat her into supporting things like Build Back Better and other legislation that she's not particularly comfortable with. Uh, She talks about... First of all, the large amount of money that Democratic interest groups have spent against moderate members of the party. See Henry Cuellar down in Texas, who's uh, off to a runoff next month. Uh, He's been pretty tough on the border and some other issues, and so most of the party don't want him in Congress anymore. Uh, But she also says that she got criticism for her vote to support Kate's Law, a bill that increased prison sentences for illegal immigrants found re-entering the country. And so she says, quote, a lot of these outside groups uh, that purport to represent a specific interest are just an extension of the leadership instead of purely focusing on their issue area. Uh, The interview was with Rachel Bade of Politico. Uh, And here's another interesting part. A frequent critic of the squad and other left wing Democrats, Murphy has complained about a toxic environment with plenty of Democratic undemocratic violence. She directly blamed party leadership for that atmosphere in the interview, saying, quote, You can't promise rainbows and unicorns when you know that you don't have the votes for it, because the difference between rainbows and unicorns and political reality is going to be disappointment and anger. Jim, that sounds like something you've said a lot, particularly as it relates to the 50-50 Senate. But uh, given the pretty slim margin in the House, uh, reality uh, strikes again there, too.
0: Greg, looking at this in retrospect, the 2020 Democratic Party national platform at the convention really should not have called for uh, unicorns and rainbows for every American. Uh, That probably was a mistake. A little exaggeration there, but I think we get the point she's getting at. It is a fascinating interview. And I think what we're seeing is a historical pattern repeating itself, but a demonstration of how much the Overton window, this notion of what is considered politically feasible and normal. uh, I notice I'm making air quotes as I say that. You can't see it, but trust me, I am. Um, you know, in in the span from even the Obama days, I mean, the uh, when Democrats won the control of the House of Representatives in 2006, uh, Rahm Emanuel was running the DCCC then, and he did it on the backs of guys like Heath Shuler, the former infamous Washington Redskins quarterback, but who ran a pretty and won in a pretty red or at least purple district down in North Carolina. And I remember Heath Schuler; he's probably even he said, you know, if not the most rightward guy in the Democratic Caucus, he was probably in those four or five house democrats who are most likely to vote with republicans but that's what he needed to do to win and get reelected in his district and that meant uh heath schuler was by most standards pro-gun and i seem to remember him speaking at an nra convention in charlotte north carolina that was in his home state i don't think it was his home district but it was one of those things where in order to be reelected in his district he had to demonstrate i am not pro-gun control i am not pro-choice i share your values etc cetera, etc cetera. well Keith Schuller left, uh, got defeated in the 2010 wave. I'm pretty sure, and he's not come back. And every so while, there's a rumor of him running again or something. But basically, you really can't be a pro-life Democrat these days. You really can't be a pro-gun Democrat these days. Uh, and if you know, one of the examples that uh, Murphy offers, I think, is very revealing. Is she points out that she was one of the Democrats who voted for Kate's Law which was this idea where it was going to stricter enforcement rules for people who were multiple offenders of violating immigration laws it was over that shooting of Kate in San Francisco. It was this unbelievable tragedy. The Trump administration made a big deal out of it. I believe the investigation determined that it was an accident, uh, but it cost a young woman her life. And the person who fired the gun was a uh, illegal immigrant who had been arrested several times. Right. And so here's here's Murphy saying, like, look. I believe in immigration and comprehensive immigration reform, and an ability for people to immigrate to the United States in a legal way. But I also believe in law and order and ensuring we hold people who commit crimes accountable. Um, and she points out the immigrant groups immediately went to your anti-immigrant. And she says, "Look at me! I'm a refugee. I am an immigrant. I'm not anti-immigrant. I found what they were maligning my. I found that they were maligning my motivations, as opposed to trying to seek to understand my motivations and understand the policy concerns I had." She describes, we had one meeting that got so heated and passionate that the nun who was there had to stand up and ask everybody to settle down, calm down the hostilities. I mean, thank God for that. Stephanie Murphy is by no stretch of the imagination a conservative, right? She may have certain issues in which she's going to vote against the progressive orthodoxy, partially because of her district, but also partially because of her uh, values. But I think by most measurements, we look at Stephanie Murphy and see a fairly mainstream Democrat. This is not Heath Shure. And Stephanie Murphy is saying the attitudes in Congress have made it impossible for her and make her no longer wish to stay in Congress and run for re-election. I think Stephanie Murphy is a still, rel- so, you know, by congressional standards, she's a young woman. She's got other stuff she wants to do with her life, right? Now, this is the way, in some ways, this is, you know, great news for Republicans. It makes them, you know, this is a district they usually have, a, a, have at least a decent shot at. And... The exodus of moderate Democrats means they're a lot more, you know, more likely going to be replaced by Republicans, and you're more likely to have a big Republican majority in the House. That said, for the purposes of the country, I would prefer a more centrist Democratic Party, and I would prefer a Democratic Party that is sane. And if the squad is chasing Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy out of the House, then it is a sign that the Democrats are heading in a very an insanely left direction. They'll probably lose the House and become a, a small rump party, at least for one cycle. Until they learn their hard lessons. But in the end, it's still not good to see one of the two major parties in this country shift so far to the left so quickly.
1: The fact that the party is drifting that far to the left means we're really, really close to having some really, really horrible things being passed through the Congress. I mean, right now, if Manchin and Cinema weren't opposed to killing the filibuster, those things would be happening right now. That's how close we are to the far left, really uh, changing this country in significant ways.
0: Talk about the stuff of nightmares, Greg.
1: Exactly, exactly. Another nightmare is the last thing you want. And after this week in the news cycle we've had, it would be understandable. But it's potentially avoidable if you have the best possible bedding and towels and sheets and slippers and all that great stuff. But right now, uh, MyPillow.com focusing on their fantastic deal for the six-piece MyPillow towel set. Now, normally this towel set goes for $109.99. And now you can get it for thirty nine point ninety nine percent
0: The MyPillow six-piece towel set is made from cotton grown right here in the United States. Now some other towels might feel good, but they don't absorb very well, or maybe they absorb well, but they don't feel good. Well, every MyPillow towel is made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent and soft to the touch. There's none of that lotiony feel. Every set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee, and they have a one-year limited warranty.
1: For a limited time, get the MyPillow six-piece towel set regularly $109.99 for only $39.99 with the promo code MARTINI. Visit MyPillow.com slash martini or call 800-874-0104. You'll also find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow Giza Dream Sheets, and so much more. Get your six-piece MyPillow towel set for just $39.99 today at MyPillow.com slash martini or call 800-874-0104. MyPillow.com slash martini. All right, Jim, on to the bad martini now. And one of the big issues, of course, in the Virginia governor's race last year was schools and the over and over example of schools, Loudoun County in particular, but others as well, telling parents, you know, you just stay out of this. We've got this covered, whether it was what's in the curriculum or COVID restrictions and and policies and that sort of thing. And then it all kind of came to a head in Loudoun County when it turned out that the administrators there pretty much covered up a sexual assault of a 14-year-old girl. And that type of cover-up really struck a chord with Virginia voters. And it's one of the big reasons Glenn Youngkin and the Republican ticket got elected, and Jim, it's happening again in Northern Virginia. This time, National Review Online has the story, and as Stepman is the author of this, uh, we have learned that the Alexandria School District and School Board withheld information from parents about a violent sexual assault by multiple people in a city high school, one that sent the victim to the hospital and led to a police investigation. Alexandria police have now directly confirmed to Independent Women's Forum via email that the police arrested a 14-year-old suspect in early December for, quote, aggravated sexual battery, rape, and forcible sodomy in connection with the October incident at Minnie Howard campus. The police declined to share additional detail about the incident due to the fact that both the victim and the suspect are juvenile. And so the public schools also saying, quote, we are unable to provide information regarding specifics about students. But this did come up in communications and, and emails between uh, school officials. The police were involved. Parents, however, not notified. Uh, the the emails that Inez looks at and were, were handed over as part of a Freedom of Information Act uh, request were exchanged days before a joint board council hearing focused on reinstating school resource officers to the city's school campuses after a previous uh, school board decision removing the police generated controversy. And there was just one... Off-handed reference to a potential sexual assault that is being investigated. And as she points out, Jim, it's a gang rape. This girl, this 14-year-old girl was gang raped and parents were kept in the dark. So I don't know what's happening with administrators in Northern Virginia and possibly beyond, but this is insane.
0: It is, Greg. And I, it's funny, when I, you sent me that story and said we should talk about this, I, I started thinking about the experience we saw at the school shooting in Florida, where Stoneman Douglas, I believe, where, where There were reports that the gunman, the student who was so troubled, had had a lot of run-ins, had all kinds of issues. Um, But every school, no school wants to admit that they have a safety problem. And the, you know, schools, obviously there's been this push for schools to get cops out of schools and to not have school discipline issues dealt with through the legal system that if you can avoid giving a kid a criminal record, then it'll help him out later in life and you know, all that stuff. And I think in the broad contours of that argument, yeah, there are certain cases in which you uh, might want to say, all right, we don't want to give a kid a criminal record. He's a good kid unless, you know, made a big mistake and, and they understand the consequences of that mistake, et cetera, et cetera. But there also seems to be this incentive for school administrators, for schools to uh either downplay or perhaps in some cases even cover up the extent of serious criminal activity within their within their halls um and that you kind of wonder if that's what's going on here uh we've already seen schools that have this adverse school administrators and teachers and other officials who have this adversarial attitude towards parents this attitude of no no we don't need to show you our curriculum you're not entitled to know that we're not going to tell you what's you know we're not you're not allowed to decide what goes into our school libraries we'll decide what books your kids can and can't read. Um, we'll decide whether the schools are going to be open, right? And so this, this whole dynamic here of school administrators thinking they know best, school administrators believing, no, 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 we're best. This is a really unfortunate, horrific set of circumstances that now appears to not just be one bad apple at one school. And you kind of wonder if we have inadvertently created a system of incentives where the worst thing you can do as a school administrator is say, yes, a crime occurred in our school it needs to be taken seriously, it needs to be dealt with. Because then you're you know, one, besides the fact that you freak out the community and you upset people and all that stuff, you know, will you get grants for being having an improved school? Will you get rated lower, right? Will you see in other words, is all of the incentives to cover up the crimes committed in, in your schools instead of actually addressing it and tackling it head on? There's a possibility that that is the case. It is certainly an unnerving series, like a pattern starting to form of school administrators who would rather sweep it under the rug, pretend it didn't happen, don't tell anybody and hope that everyone this passes and everyone just goes on and we won't worry about justice and we won't worry about consequences for those who have committed, in some cases, some horrific, violent sexual crimes.
1: Well, Jim, I don't know what is a better advertisement for school choice than to hear stories like this where... Yeah, parents would be upset to know what happened at the school, but I think they're going to be more upset to think the administrators hid the truth from them. School choice uh, has always been a good issue uh, for conservatives, and I don't think there's ever been a better time uh, to push that issue than in this year's elections. All right. Well, in addition to getting a lot of sleep this weekend, you also might want to get outside this weekend. It's supposed to be pretty nice around here in the Washington, D.C. area, but it's also a great chance to... uh, Figure out what kind of survival gear you need. And uh, when it comes to knives and filters and cooking uh, materials, there's no better place to go than Battlebox. Because, look, if you aren't quite sure what you need for outdoor gear, you do not need to worry. Because if you sign up for a Battlebox, that gear finds you.
0: Battlebox is your go-to monthly subscription for hand-picked outdoor survival and everyday carry gear. Getting the best gear for yourself not only takes time, but it can be incredibly expensive. That's why BattleBox brings you name-brand, high-quality products every month at just half the price of what they cost on their own. Just pick the box that works for you and get tested and vetted products that you can trust that are selected by an expert team of outdoor professionals. From an Aquapod emergency water kit to an Atomic Bear survival bivy, delivered right to your doorstep each month. Battle Box has shipped more than 1 million boxes since 2015 and has been featured everywhere from the New York Times to Survivor's Edge. Find out why outdoor enthusiasts call Battle Box the best gear I never knew I wanted.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Jim and I have both gotten the Battle Box. And uh, I think as guys, you just open that box and you're like, Oh man, this stuff is awesome. This stuff is so cool. I can use it uh, obviously if we're in the outdoors, but I can also find uh, uses for it even around the house. So it's just very practical and it's high quality products that you're getting in the battle box. So check it out. And from now until March 31st, get a free mystery box worth over with any new subscription at trybattlebox.com slash martini. That's a free mystery box worth more than $115 right now at trybattlebox.com slash martini. That's T-R-Y-B-A-T-T-L-B-O-X. Trybattlebox.com slash martini. On to the crazy martini now. And Jim, we tried. We tried. We said it last week. When Jesse Smollett got sentenced to 150 days in jail, let's hope that this is the last time we're going to talk about Jesse Smollett. Uh, it seems like uh, the punishment was fair. He didn't get away with it. The judge read him the riot act, and he's going to pay for faking this hate crime. Well, we're talking about Jesse Smollett again, and why? Well, because he's already out of jail. After six whopping days of a 150-day jail sentence, a court has granted his release pending his appeal. Now, there are multiple arguments. One is that he would have already served his entire 150-day sentence by the time the court got around to acting on his appeal. And so that would seem to be the stronger argument. But there's also the uh, argument that the prosecution is not buying at all, that Smollett has compromised immunity and shouldn't be exposed to potential COVID transmission behind bars. Uh, They also claim that racism and homophobia were involved in Smollett's sentencing, and so therefore that was uh, unfair to put him behind bars. There was also uh, issues related to his health because he will only drink ice water. He wouldn't eat any food for the last six days. So, Jim, this just drama continues, and uh, I have my doubts as to whether he'll ever be back in jail
0: yeah you know we, we tried dear listeners and if it just feels like something we need to observe um, it is a becoming an absolutely you know jaw-dropping exercise in justice being delayed and in that case being justice denied you know he's been been nailed to the wall they're really this you know from the very beginning people had strong suspicions of the story he wasn't he sent the police on a wild goose chase. And I'd love to see, you know, his lawyers prove that racism and homophobia was the uh, cause of the motive of the judge in the sentence or something like that. It really feels like um, Jesse Smollett believes that any decision that doesn't go his way, anything he doesn't like in this world, he can blame upon racism and homophobia instead of being the consequences of his own actions. So, you know, I I wish I had better news to uh, send along on this, it really does seem that this is going to be a uh, long process. The appeal, appellate court in Illinois, as the New York Times subtly puts it, is not built for speed. Uh, proceedings of all sorts of the courts typically take about a year or two years. So uh, this is going to go on for a long time. We will not be talking about it on this, this podcast all that, during that whole time. But you, you just want to see, you know, Jesse Smollett spend some time in jail. Now, he did spend six days. But in the end, like, yeah, I think when you send the entire city on a wild goose chase, looking for this utterly implausible, non-existent threat, and you stir up tensions and you uh, make people fear that they're going to be attacked, and you do the whole thing in an attempt to uh, build, uh, uh, you know, uh, build your name ID and to get, you know, make yourself a bigger celebrity and, and all that stuff. I think you should go to jail. I think you should have serious consequences for this. And unfortunately, the appellate court does not want him in jail while the appeals process is going. Which will keep him out of jail for a long time i think he'll probably lose i, I but you know i'm not a lawyer so who knows how this will shake out right
1: On that note, Jim, I feel like we're heading into the weekend on some fumes. Let's try to recharge and uh, reconvene on Monday. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Thanks so much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. We really appreciate those, and they help the podcast. Uh, Find us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore D.C. Have a great weekend and please join us again on Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch.
0: Radio America News Director and the Three Martini Lunch podcast host, my friend, the great and all-powerful Greg Corumbus, joins me to discuss the biggest issues and the impact of Biden's unpopularity on the midterm elections. I'm Sarah Carter on the latest Sarah Carter Show. I'll also explain why Hispanic voters are fleeing the Democrats and are now planning to vote for the GOP. Join me. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your
1: podcasts.